91.3 KXCI Tucson. Real people, real radio. Tucson and happy Sunday afternoon to you. This is Kathy Harris and Aspen Green. And we're bringing you Broad Perspectives Radio. Broad Perspectives is a program by women, about women, but for everyone. everyone. And today we're going to be talking to Chris Vaughn, who is a clinical herbalist. So stay tuned. So let's do that, Aspen. Well, good afternoon, Kathy. It's so great to be here. And yes, this show is especially for everyone because today we have Chris Vaughn, and she's a natural healthcare practitioner with a spiritual and intuitive connection to those around her and the plant she works with. Board certified as a clinical herbalist and integrative nutrition coach, Chris guides individuals to discovering root causes for chronic illnesses, allergies, digestive, and emotional challenges. Chris is the owner and manufacturer of Urban Evolution Traditional Herbal Remedies. Welcome to our show, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Well, let's start right out with asking you, when did you begin practicing herbalism? And can you explain to our audience what is herbal medicine? Oh, good question. Well, I started practicing herbal medicine in 2009. Uh, so I've been doing it for a little while. And herbal medicine is really um, going back to traditional practices of caring for ourselves, using the plants in the areas around us um, as food, as medicine, uh, and really moving back away from more synthetic chemical types of medications. You know, modern medicine rec recognizes herbalism as a form of alternative medicine. Um, what is the history of herbal medicine? Because isn't it the oldest form of um, medicine? It is the oldest form of medicine. You know, centuries ago, um, the, that was all that they had were the plants in their local area. And so I think it's funny, too, when they call it alternative medicine because I call it traditional medicine. Uh, although most people, when they hear traditional, they think of your conventional medicine model as being traditional. But it's really the opposite. That's contemporary. It's only been around a few hundred years. Whereas herbal medicine has been around thousands and thousands. Um, I was teaching the other night and we were talking about herbs that were found in the burial site of a Neanderthal some 80,000 years ago, which predates written history. Holy cow, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm 
they found herbs at this site? Um, that's interesting. You would think that they would have deteriorated by by now. Right. They were very they were dried and well preserved, and I think there was something like eleven different species of plants that they found, and those plants still grow in that particular area, and the people in that area use them still as medicine, much the way the Neanderthal would have 80,000 years ago. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, what kind of training do you need um, or schooling to become a clinical herbalist? So, you know, there are many people who are herbalists that don't go through formal training, and that is fine. You know, people grow up in the tradition of herbalism, and, you know, it gets passed on from their grandmother, their great-grandmother, things like that. Um, As a clinical herbalist, I did go through another year of training in addition to my original training certification that I did. Um, And that additional year was focused on clinical practice. So um, the body systems, the organs of the body, different health conditions that um, I would come in contact with with my clients, and then what I would do clinically with them. And that was trained under a doctor who she's a medical doctor as well as an herbalist. So I, w- I have to ask this question. What got you interested in, um, in herbal medicine? Were you looking for some cure? Yeah, I, I actually, I didn't realize I was looking for herbal medicine at the time. I think it was, it was 2008. My youngest daughter was seven. And I was raised really only knowing contemporary medicine. You know, my mom, if we got a sniffle, we went to the pediatrician, right? So that's how I was raising my kids. And my daughter woke up one day with a really bad stomach ache. She was seven at the time. And it went on for several days and to the point where she wasn't eating, she wasn't sleeping. So I took her to the doctor like we always did. And this began to drag on for months that she was having this pain. We had blood tests done, CAT scans, upper GIs, MRIs, uh, endoscopies. I mean, pretty, some pretty invasive things for this poor little seven-year-old with no resolution. And the only thing that the doctor could say is, well, I don't know. There's inflammation. Let's give her an antacid. And I just knew that at seven years old, being on an antacid just could not possibly be the answer. And a friend of mine who was um, working with a naturopathic physician at the time, she asked if she could recommend a few things for me. So I said, sure, and she told me a few simple things to do, and I went out and purchased them, but I had really no hope that they were going to do anything, because how could they? It was like, you know, it was a capsule of marshmallow, it was a probiotic, some fish oil. You know, what was that going to do, in my mind? Well, I started giving it to her, and three days later, she was pain-free. Seriously, three days later, and has been ever since. And I had to step back and go, whoa, wait a minute. There's a disconnect here, and there's obviously something I've been missing. So I began to research, finally, (laughs) those things that I gave her. And I was most drawn to the marshmallow capsules, not the fluffy white candy that we eat, right? (laughs) But it's a plant, and it's made of the root of the marshmallow plant. And I was fascinated by this little plant. And in that research, I began to see herbalism programs popping up on my computer. And I thought, hmm. I think I need to check this out more. And so I ended up enrolling in an herbalism program with zero prior herb knowledge. Yeah, that brings me to the question, because I was, I was reading a little bit on your website, and we've talked about it before the show. You had an, instruction, an instructor tell you to walk out into the desert until a plant called to you. And this was in the beginning of your training. What did you think, and what plant did you pick, and what happened? 
Oh, it was so funny. You know, I remember sitting in class that first couple of weeks like a total fish out of water because everyone around me seemed like they had this great intuitive connection with plants. And I thought, these people are crazy. You know, I didn't, I couldn't figure out any of this stuff. And we went on a field trip out at the base of the Superstition Mountains, and we were going to learn how to make flower essences. And the instructor said, okay, now walk out into the desert until a plant calls to you, and then sit with it. And I thought, well, that's it. I'm walking for two weeks. Because <laughs> how is a plant going to call to me? Like, I, that was such a foreign concept. So I walk out into the desert, and I'm thinking, okay. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm just going to pick a plant. And I looked over and I saw um, a perfect circle of plants, all, you know, all the same plant in a perfect circle. And I thought, oh, okay, I could sit in the circle. So I walked over and I sat in the circle. Okay, now I have to listen for this plant to talk to me. Ugh. So I pulled out my notebook and I thought, well, I'll just write down what I think or feel or hear or see or smell. I'll just start writing whatever. So I did that for a little while. I probably sat there for about 30 minutes. It felt like much longer. And then I got up and decided I should head back because I was for sure that they all left me in the desert, right? So I get back to the group. Thankfully, they were still there. And uh, we had to tell the instructor what plant we sat with. Well, I didn't know because I didn't know what plant it was. So I described it to her and I told her everything that I had written down. And she smiled and she said, you sat with brittle bush. Now, you guys may see brittle bush growing. Uh, they've, they're not in bloom anymore. They bloomed about, I don't know, maybe a month, month and a half ago along. You'll see them a lot along the freeway. And they're a light green plant. And they seem to have yellow flowers that shoot way up above and hover over the leaves. Right. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they're beautiful. They I love them. are beautiful. And so that's who I sat with. And brittle bush told me that... It was a grounding plant uh, that would keep you firmly rooted while you reach for your dreams. So it really, like when you look at the plant, you can see that the base of the plant, the leaves are very close to the ground and firmly rooted. And those bright yellow flowers seem to just go up in the sky and reach for the sun. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I feel about brittle bush. And so I'm curious, do you, did this experience change you? Do you now go out and sit with plants and wait for them to talk to you? I, I don't get to do it as much as I would like because I am very busy, but I try to sit with a plant somehow every day. So even if I don't get out in nature, I might in my office grab you know one of my dried herbs that I have there in a jar and sit with it. Um, like hawthornberry, for instance, I sat with. Now, hawthornberry, we use a lot for people with blood pressure. So, you know, you read in all the books, and, and all the books will tell you it's for the cardiovascular system, and it strengthens the blood vessels, and it balances blood pressure. But I wanted to know who hawthorn was for, like what kind of a person. So I sat with hawthorn, and I asked it. And I'm one of those crazy people now because hawthorn speaks to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it told me that Hawthorne is for those people who maybe have been suffering from a very deep heart wound emotionally and that they're having a hard time getting over grief or trauma. So not only does it support the heart structurally, but emotionally, because anytime we have like heart disease or 
blood pressure or anything like that, there usually was an emotional heartbreak first many years before. Wow, really? Mm -hmm. Okay, that brings up for me the thought of herbal energetics. So talk to us about uh, herbal energetics and the relationships that you have with plants. Yeah, so each herb has its own personality, basically, um, and really connects with individuals that need that in their life, like how I asked Hawthorne, who was it for? You know, in the beginning of my herbalism career, I approached my herbs very by the book. You know, the book says this is for sleep, then I'm going to use this for sleep. And people would come into my office and they would say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm having anxiety. And so I would go, oh, anxiety. I know anxiety herbs. And I would put together this really awesome formula, you know, by the book, and I would give it to them. And nothing would happen. And I was like, why did nothing happen? Because at that time, I was not tuned into the personalities, the energy of these herbs, and then the energy and personality of my client. And how do they show up in the world? And are these herbs a good match for them? And so that's really how I use herbal energetics in my practice now is really learning to pair herbs and people. So if I was to make an appointment to see you as an herbalist, what would I expect to have happen on that visit? So it's not much different than going to a doctor. You know, I'm going to sit and talk with you about why you're coming in and then your whole medical history, really, uh, because I want to make sure that I'm not uh, going to give you any kind of an herb that might interact negatively with a medication that you might be on or something like that. So we talk a lot about your health history, but then we talk about who you are, what things in your life bring you joy, what things bring you stress, what your hobbies are, what nourishes your soul, so that I really get a picture of deep inside who you are. Okay, before we go to a music break, talk to us about the different types of herbal medicine. So I, I call them delivery systems, and so that might be tea, is a delivery system. Uh, that was the oldest form of medicine was tea. So I love it because it's really easy for the body to absorb the medicine in the herbs when we drink it from tea. But you can take it as a tincture or what's also known as a liquid extract. You can do capsules. You can do topical remedies like, uh, like a poultice or a, a wash. You know, so depending on what we're working on, uh, I might recommend herbs in various forms. Uh, so maybe it's a syrup or maybe it's, uh, you know, taking it as a capsule. So uh, just depends on the person. All right. So why don't we take a little music break now? Okay. That's a good idea. As our listeners know, we always ask our uh, guests to come in with a song by a woman that they might like to hear. And um, in, in this case, um, the song is Roar by Katy Perry. And I wonder if you want to talk about why you chose that song. You know, I'm a pretty strong uh, independent woman, and so I love women power songs, and I just like songs that make me want to dance. So I have a really hard time hearing this song without bopping around and dancing. <laughs> I guess our audience then can imagine us all dancing yes, during this song here in this big studio that we're in. <laughs> well, that's a good reason, and I love this song. Um, we, whenever we have a woman empowerment day, we always play this, and I love it. Is this is Roar by Katy Perry, and this is from her CD Prism. Let's give a listen. I said 
KXCI 91.3 Tucson. This is Aspen Green. I'm here with Kathy Harris, and today our guest is Chris Vaughn, and she is a healthcare practitioner. She's a clinical herbalist and integrative nutrition co- uh, coach. And, um, you know, we said we were going to be dancing um, over that break, but instead <laughs> we were talking about insect bites. Kathy, you had a story to share with us. <laughs> My story is I woke up two mornings ago with the biggest insect bite I've ever seen on my body. I won't say where. Let's just say it's not in a place where you would notice. Or we can't (laughs) see it from this position. (laughs) But I notice it sitting here. (laughs) Do you have have any kind of remedies for that? Oh, I have a perfect remedy for you. So, of course, first, you're going to wash it really good a few times a day, right? So that we don't get any kind of infection. Um, If... If the if the bite has any fluid that can come out of it, mm-hmm. so um, then we want to clean that really well. Okay. So there's two things that I would say that you can do. First, um, if you have any calendula growing in your garden, uh, calendula is a beautiful yellow flower. It's also called pot marigold. You can take those blossoms off of the plant and make a really strong tea with them. Okay. Okay. And so what you do is boil your water, throw a bunch of the flower blossoms in, and then cover it and steep it for about 20 minutes so that it makes a really strong tea. And use that as a wash on the bite. So it's going to be antibacterial. It's going to be anti-inflammatory and a little bit astringent to dry up any of the fluid that might be in there from the bite. Now, the next thing you can do comes from our desert. This is one of my favorite desert remedies, and that's prickly pear cactus. So if you have one in your yard or, you know, along the street where you can take a pad. <laughs> I can find one, yes. <laughs> on your morning walk. Yes, there we go. <laughs> so it takes a little bit of finessing, right, because they have those thorns. But you can take um, a, a big knife or you can take a couple of big rocks first and scrape the thorns off of one of the pads on both sides and then cut the pad off at the joint and then you're going to slice it open like you would slice a bagel okay and then you can cut the sides of the pad into strips and heat them up in your oven like 250 degrees for about 15 20 minutes and then you want it hot but not so hot that it'll burn you and then you're going to kind of bandage that onto the bite for say 20 minutes at a time prickly pear is very drawing so it's going to draw the venom out it's going to draw bacteria out but it's also anti-inflammatory antibacterial so it will help stimulate uh the wound to heal okay great Thank that you. is interesting. You know, our audience can't see, but there's a bunch of jars on our desk here. And you do have what you just talked about, the calendula. And you also have chamomile and you have elderberry and lemon balm and something else here. Talk to us about um, why you brought these today. And maybe could you tell us a little bit about, you know, some simple home remedies if you have something, if I feel like I'm coming down with a cold or just simple things like that that our audience can um, learn from today. Right. So what a lot of people may not realize is we have a a virtual medicine chest in our kitchen cabinet already. So one thing that I brought with me today is time. We a lot of us use time when we're cooking. Right. So time is an awesome remedy for coughs, coughs and colds. So you can make a really strong tea and drink time tea to calm a cough 
or to um, fight any kind of a respiratory infection. You can also make a thyme-infused honey, which makes it nicer for kids to take. So you would take some nice raw local honey and warm it up a little bit so it thins, so it gets nice and thin and pliable. And then you put a bunch of thyme in there and then cap it and let it sit for about two weeks. Then you heat it up again and you strain the thyme pieces out. And now you can use it by the tablespoonful for yourself or for kids. You can make a tea with that or you can just take it straight. And that's great for colds and upper respiratory. You're bringing back a lot of old memories for me. Um, you know, I had home births, so I dealt with um, lay midwives. And in that world, you find a lot of people who are making their own home remedies. Right. And when my kids were little, they did. we did use thyme in honey. And that brought back that memory for me. And it did work. And we did, used a bunch of different herbal remedies. I, I, I want to interject the question here. It just came into my mind. Would this be helpful or is there something else that's helpful? I'm a singer. And um, our folk festival was last weekend, and I missed the whole thing because I woke up in the morning with uh, no voice. And another member of our band had no voice, and that's been about three weeks now. He's just finally getting it back. Is there some remedy for that? Because I have not been able to find anything. Yeah, I would use that same remedy. And really kind of anything with honey. Okay. So you could you could do um, a blend of, say, thyme and rosemary, oregano, in, in the honey, or you could just do the honey. Honey in and of itself is very medicinal, as well as very soothing to the throat. Um, if you had, um, say, something like mullen growing around you, are you familiar with mullen? It gets the very tall stalk with yellow flowers on it. Oh, yeah, I have some of those. Yeah, so you can use some of the leaf uh-huh. and the flowers and make a strong tea and gargle with that and then drink it down. And mullen is very, what we call demulsant. It's moistening and soothing, and it coats the tissue in the throat and helps to heal and Ah. and soothe the soreness. Great, thank you. Okay, well you definitely are a teacher, so let's talk about that part of your life, because you are a teacher, and that's a large part of what you do. You teach at Yavapai College, and you have your own school. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I teach herbal medicine basics at Yavapai College in Prescott. And I started doing that last year. It's super fun. And so it gives me an opportunity to really bring these traditions back into our community. And then I also this year launched my own herbalism school in Prescott Valley. It's called Herbal Wisdom Institute. And we're the only herbalism school in northern Arizona. So I'm really excited about the opportunity to to get this traditional knowledge even further into our community to people who maybe have never really even been exposed to this or like you had said, things from when you were a child and now it's coming back up. Now we're coming back to these ways of caring for our families. And so uh, the timing was perfect to do my school. So what's your dream? What would you like to see happen in your future with herbalism? So of course it's it's in the teaching. I have you know I have my clinical practice which I love, but the teaching is really my passion. Uh, and so you know I woke up the other day with this very clear vision, and I knew when I was seeing this vision that it was probably two or three years down the road. But what I could see was having my school um, in a building that had the opportunity to have garden space so that it would be a teaching garden and a medicine garden for our community. So that uh, that felt really good. So that's something I'm working towards over the next couple of years. 
Okay. Do you want to um, let us know about your website so our listeners can look up more information? Sure. You can find a lot of information about me, about what I do as a clinical herbalist at PrescottNaturalHealth.com. And if you're interested in learning about herbalism classes, you can find that at HerbalWisdomInstitute.com. You know, of course, we're getting close to running out of time, and I, there's, oh, oh, I always have a bunch of questions I didn't ask. So we'll have to have you back to ask about how to make an elixir and a flower essence, and of course, how to make a perfect cup of tea. <laughs> Very good. I'd love to come back and tell you all those things. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time, and I would like to hear that, too. I'm a real tea lover. Um, but, Chris, thank you so much for coming. It's been a really informative and interesting show. Thank you I, so much for having Kathy's me. Kathy's going to go home and get that prickly pear thing going. Good, good. I, I am, as I sit here. <laughs> I guarantee you I will. Um, so thank you again, Chris, and uh, thank you all out there for listening to us today. And listen to us every Sunday at 3 o'clock, Broad Perspectives Radio, a program by women, about women, but... For everyone. Um, And stay tuned right now because next up we have Amanda Shogger with 30 Minutes.